0: Hello there, and welcome to Not the Farmer's Wife podcast. I'm CJ Steedman, and I'm definitely not the farmer's wife. I am a mum, a partner, a full-time off-farm worker, and enthusiastically a lady farmer. On our farm, Mojo Homestead, we grow chickens, goats, cows, and bees. We practice regenerative agriculture and holistic management. If, like me, you love all things farming and homesteading, And if you'd like to learn from the female farmer's perspective, then I'd love to have you along for the ride. So let's get farming. G'day everybody, CJ here again for another episode of Not the Farmer's Wife. And this week we're going to talk about what it's like homesteading with a full-time job. Uh, I know that a lot of people would be keen to try the hand at it but they're a bit concerned about how much work's involved and rightly so uh, before we jump into that discussion I'd also just like to let everybody know that as of this morning I'm recording this on Sunday the 9th uh, Backyard Chicken Keeping course is open for registration registrations will stay open until the 14th of April and then the course starts proper on the 15th of April Uh, I've also got a webinar tomorrow morning which this will come out probably about an hour before the webinar so you'll still have time to jump on uh, at 8am Australian Eastern Standard Time uh, and we're going to be discussing chicken breeds and what breeds are best for your backyard and for your circumstances. Anyway, so jump on that, don't miss out because it'll close on the 14th and you will not be able to do it again until June. But today we're going to talk about homesteading with a full-time job. And I know a lot of people, well, a lot of people say to me within my work, and I work a normal 40-hour week off-farm, a lot of people say to me they're surprised at how much I get done. (laughs) I'm often surprised at how little I get done, Uh, so it's a bit of a joke, but anyway, um, when I am working full-time, which is at the moment because I'm not on shift work, it is Monday to Friday, uh, 8 till 4 pretty much, um, my day is, starts very early and usually finishes pretty late, especially with everything I've been prepping for the uh, backyard keeping course. So I wanted to run through with you what my day looks like. Now, I have to leave the house at 7 o'clock to get my kids to the bus stop. Uh, by 7 15 and that gets me into work at eight o'clock and then I leave work at 4 p.m and most afternoons I pick my kids up from their first bus stop because they have two buses they have to catch uh, because my children are very active in sports <laughs> little bastards they cost me a fortune uh, but I did make a deal with them when we moved out to Um, our rural area that they would not miss out on sport that they wanted to do because of where we were choosing to live so and I've withheld I've I've held up my end of the bargain on that one I've allowed them to do their sports so my daughter is quite an active rugby union player and my son was playing rugby union till last year and has now decided that he wants to play tennis and it turns out he's actually pretty good at it (laughs) which surprised me more than anybody else I think Um, but my kids have also been squad swimmers over that time and squad swimming for anybody that's done it knows that it's a lot of early starts and a lot of late nights so it was a real juggle when they were doing that they're not doing that now they still swim but not with a squad so what does my day look like before I get in the car at seven o'clock well in relation to chickens it depends what you've got on the on the boil so my layers are actually pretty easy to look after even with the 40 to 50 that I've got and I actually haven't done a head count recently so I can't tell you how many exactly but the layer birds are pretty easy to look after we uh, once a morning and once a night go up and refill their hoppers with their feed And we check to make sure they've still got water in their trough. Now their trough is filled from the dam and usually about once a week it has to be topped up. Sometimes in the really hot weather a bit more but usually once a week so that happens on the weekend. So a normal Monday to Friday would see us going up and filling up the feed hoppers and checking to make sure there's no problems with the fence. they're in a fenced area within a paddock, so around the outside of their fencing, the Merrima, Luna lives, and she makes sure that nothing comes into the fence line. But we have a few escape artists, uh, Agnes. I'm looking at you. She's a shit. She'll fly over anything. Even she's an amazing bird, but clip a wing, and she'll learn to fly with one clipped wing. So. Uh, We go up and check them in the morning, then in the evening when we go and check them, we also have to collect any eggs uh, because most of my chooks lay around the 10, 11 o'clock mark. If we've got meat birds going, they're in a mobile tractor that we drag across the ground, so each day they have to be moved. So we usually do that in the morning. We'll go up, we'll refill their hopper of food, we refill their water because they have a water container that hangs from the inside of their little house. And the house, the Handy Helper was good enough to put on a a large kind of pulley system for me. So we pull that across the grass. Sometimes the the Handy Helper does help me with that one. I've got to be honest. I might not be the farmer's wife, but he still gets in and helps. Uh, So we pull that across the grass and give them a fresh dose of grass each day. And they get a fresh hopper morning and night. We check to make sure they've got enough food and make sure they've got water. Uh, If we've got baby chickens, that requires a little bit more effort. got to make sure that the water troughs and feed troughs are all full. Uh, But we also have to check them, make sure their temperature is right. Um, Because if they're babies, they're in the uh, brooder house. And if they're in the brooder house, chances are they've got heat on them. At the moment, I've got four baby chicks in the brooder house. But they were lucky enough to be hatched out by the amazing goat chicken. So she is in there keeping them warm. So we don't actually have to have the brooder heat lamp on um now we do check their uh their sawdust layers uh during the week uh usually emptying it on the weekends but we check it and we sometimes will top it up by putting extra sawdust over the top and you can tell when they're in need of a a change because the smell gets a little bit much you walk in and it's a very um acidy smell in there Um, I forget the exact name that they call it but there's a very distinct smell and we just top up the sawdust over the top of that and then at the end of the week we'll go in and shovel it all out and put fresh sawdust down for them but we only have babies occasionally so that's not really a big issue usually it's just the layers and at the moment we don't even have any meat birds we won't do meat birds again until closer towards summer and spring so the goats are the next ones on the list the goats we have two different Types of goats. So we have angora goats, which are for fiber, and I have to be honest, they are the most low maintenance, easy animals to look after. They do occasionally escape. They're very, very good escape artists, better than the milking goats are. Um, But every now and then they'll get out, and we have to monitor a fence line somewhere to see who's dug under what. But for the most part, they're pretty good. They don't require a lot of work on my part I toss them some hay once a week I check them every day like I do a head count from a distance if anybody looks like they're limping or they've got any kind of problems I'll go in and have a closer inspection Uh, but for the most part they look after themselves and they are very low maintenance Um, every six months uh, the angoras get shorn. Uh, but that's something that you can really plan for and it gets done on the weekend when the shearers is available. Most of our shearers in our area are part-timers. They work full-time jobs and shear on the weekends. Uh, So day-to-day, very little effort, probably five minutes to do a head count and unless there's something wrong, that's about it. The milking goats are a little bit of a different story. (laughs) So we have um, our original milkers still, which are Hazel and Willow. Uh, They're the mummers and uh, in the past I have been a very strong advocate and and will always be a strong advocate for leaving baby goats on their mother. So I have a system that I follow that was similar to my mum's system of milking, where the babies get put away overnight after their last feed at about five o'clock in the evening and they get put into a little house that keeps them safe and protected so nothing can get at them and the mums are left in the paddock to graze. And then first thing in the morning, usually in summer, about 4.30, sometimes 4, depending on how much else I've got on. uh, I go out and I get the girls in, the mamas, and get them into the milking bale. They get some grain for their efforts and I milk them. And I don't strip them completely dry. Um, In both Willow and Hazel's cases, they have a huge amount of milk. I get shit tins of milk off them. Uh, So I don't have to strip them dry Because I I know that I'm not trying to bring on milk They've already got enough So I will milk them And usually when they're both milking I get about two and a half litres Between the two of them in the mornings And then they are put out into the paddock With their babies And their babies then obviously have a feed For first thing in the morning Because they've been fasting all night And they continue to drink off their mums All day in the paddock And then at the end of the day they come in, now the, the baby goats will come in and get a little bit of hay We don't give them grain because grain can upset their tummies and, and give them a bit of bloat And unfortunately we have lost a goat to bloat So we try really hard not to have that happen again So just let me have a sip of water mm. So um, the baby goats they, um, if they're kept on their mother, which is the ideal situation, you really don't want bottle babies if you can avoid it. And, and this year I did have bottle babies. Um, I lost one to bloat because unfortunately she got into some very, very lush pasture and um, we didn't realize how bad it was until about three o'clock in the morning. So bottle babies have to be fed at least morning and night, uh, preferably three times a day. So that involves them not being at work because you just can't feed them enough if you're at work or you have to duck home from work to do it, which can be really problematic. So absolutely you want babies on their mum. Their mum is the best choice for them. Um, And and people get frustrated. People go off about dairies and, and how they take the babies off the mothers. But dairies are commercial enterprises. I'm not a commercial enterprise. I can afford to not get shit tins of milk in lieu of having the babies on their mum. When people complain about dairies, what they have to take into account is that they themselves, the, the person doing the complaining, generally is not prepared to pay the higher costs that would be incurred by the dairy if they were to go down the same route that I go down. So I can afford to do it because I'm not selling the milk. It's actually illegal to sell raw milk. I think still illegal I've never checked again but it's always been illegal to sell raw milk unless you have special licensing um other than for cosmetic purposes um you can't sell it for human consumption so I don't have to worry about that dairies have to make money they have to make money in order to feed their their livestock and their and their you know Vet costs and on all that kind of thing. And if they were to leave the babies on the mothers, both in cows and goats and sheep, because there are some sheep dairies popping up now, uh, they wouldn't make any money. the The price of the milk would be so high, nobody would ever pay it. So, sorry, off on a tangent there. So the babies stay with their mums, <laughs> and and that's a system that works well for homesteaders. I think it also means that if needed. Uh, you can go away for the weekend. And this is something I've always liked about doing this system is if I want to skip a day of milking um, because I want to have a sleep in or we've been out to dinner the night before or the, that never seems to happen, a handy helper. Um, but if, if we wanted to um, have a sleep in, go away for the weekend, go somewhere for a family event, I can leave the baby goats out in the paddock with mum and they'll just drink off mum all night i don't have to worry about mastitis which i've also lost a goat too so i know what it's like um i don't have to worry about mastitis i don't have to worry about feeding babies i can leave the babies with their mother and they can feed themselves and it's a system that just works brilliantly so that's my milking goats um it is Half an hour in the afternoons putting them away and making sure everybody's okay, and probably about 40 minutes in the morning by the time I milk, get the babies out, put them back on mum out in the paddock, take the milk in. I have to strain the milk, I, I put it through a cheesecloth um, strainer um, to get any, doesn't matter. <laughs> how much you wash an udder, how much you clean <laughs> We've, I've been in a hurry to uh, strain milk before and not done it properly and uh, the handy helper ended up with some goat hair in his coffee which he didn't seem to really like, not sure why. Anyway, the, uh, so by the time I take the milk in, strain it, get it into, I've got glass jars that I bought from Ikea, they're awesome, they were super cheap and super easy to clean and I don't care if I smash one because they were super cheap and they go into our fridge for cooling. Now, anybody that hasn't tried goat's milk, a lot of people say it tastes funny. My kids can't tell the difference. They drink goat's milk, drink cow's milk. They wouldn't know the difference between them. They think they taste exactly the same. Um, Occasionally, I can get a slight taste of goatiness out of it, but usually that's uh, if I've left, if I've still been milking the goats and I've put them in with the buck. Uh, to get pregnant again which I try not to do I try to dry them up before that happens but uh, goat's milk is lovely makes awesome cheese and makes awesome soap Um, so that's the goats then the next animals on the list are the potty calves (laughs) Millie and Molly you would have seen them on Instagram if you follow me on Instagram Um, (laughs) Millie and Molly are awesome when we first got them, they were three and four weeks old, respectively, and they were still having milk twice a day at that point. And they had come to me from a potty calf dealer. That's probably the best way of describing her. She takes potty calves off the dairies um, down on the south coast of New South Wales. She makes sure that they are healthy, that they've had the right amount of colostrum so that they don't have any issues with their health you know, down the track. Uh, there's a few little things that can happen with potty calves with their joints so she makes sure that their joints are okay and things like that. She gets them feeding really well off the bottle and then she on sells them. And so we bought them and I think from memory 250 and 200 uh, Molly's Angus cross Frisian, and Millie is a purebred Frisian. and believe it or not the Frisians nobody wants. Um, I wanted it because I want a milking cow. So uh, they, for the first three months that we had them, we were feeding them morning and night for the first probably six weeks and then they went to nighttime feeds only Um, and that really wasn't a big hassle. We make up the milk, it's powdered milk formula that they have and we make up the milk and put it into two bottles and if we had a fence holder, it would have taken five minutes less than what it does but uh, the handy helper and I would just walk up when we go up to do the chickens, and we just take the bottles up with us and feed the potty calves, um, they take about five minutes to skull about a liter and a half of milk. They're um, they're pretty efficient drinkers, and um, while we're feeding them, we're handling them, we're checking them to make sure that they're not got any problems with their joints because they do have some. Uh, we make sure that they haven't got any injuries. Uh, we have a good look at them as far as you know any kind of external parasites. Uh, and then once they finish finished their bottle, they get turned out into the paddock. Now, that only went on for a couple of months, and now uh, Millie and Molly are both out in the big paddock. They actually are very proud of themselves. They think they're big girls now uh, because they're living out in the big paddock and just eating grass uh, probably once every second day. I will take them a biscuit of hay, uh, and that's primarily to keep them very handleable. Um, Millie in particular because she's going to be my milking cow it's really important that I keep her tame I don't want her scared of me I don't want her running away from me at the moment I can still handle her udder and and put my hands all around the back of her legs without any dramas at all she stands there she just eats her hay and she's happy as as a pig in shit Um, but both of them are out in the paddock Uh, the only times I've ever had to be careful with them is (laughs) I had them in with the horses, and it was my own fault. I, the horses, I hadn't seen the horses in with cows before. They'd been in with the goats and not had a problem. They don't have a problem at all with the goats. Had them in with the potty calves. The potty calves, of course, super friendly. They'll walk up to anybody they don't mind. Abby, my Anglo-Arab mare, <laughs> for those of you that are horsey types, she's a chestnut mare, and she lives up to that. Um She didn't like Millie drinking out of the same water container as her. And so she lunged at her and pushed Millie through the fence, which resulted in me having to sprint down the fence line. And I've got a bung knee, so that's always interesting to watch. Sprint down the fence line and try and drag the poor body calf out of the fence as Millie's laying on the ground looking up at me like, what the fuck just happened? And... Abby, the horse, is standing there looking at me going, what the fuck just happened? I don't think she really intended to push the cow through the fence. It was a bit of a shock to her and the cow. Anyway, so the potty calves are well and truly self-sufficient now. I do check them every day. I make sure that I can see them walking so that I know that they don't have any injuries or any damage to them. Um, And like I say, every second day roughly, we'll go and toss them a biscuit of hay, which only takes about five minutes just to go and check on them um next on my list is the bees as some of you would know i'm a beekeeper i've been a beekeeper for oh be coming up to five years i think now um so reasonably experienced but i don't feel like it. i feel like i still have to rely on more experienced beekeepers i feel like with beekeeping you can never stop learning um but but i manage seven hives so compared to others i'm more experienced at beekeeping. So my bees, I don't check them every fortnight. Some people check them every fortnight. Through summer, I will check them once a month. Um, And then through winter, I check them without opening the hive, but I will go and double check and make sure that they're tracking okay. But honestly, they are probably (laughs) the least of my hassle because I don't have to check them daily. Um, If we've had a particularly cold morning, because where we live, there's lots of frosts, we've had a particularly cold morning I will go out and check them in the morning uh, just to see how the hive is tracking. You can feel the heat coming out of the hives when you stand next to them and put your hands on the box. Um, I also listen in through the air vents and I can generally hear the hum and if the hum is quite loud in their middle brooder box then I'm quite happy because that means they're all sticking in there together and keeping each other warm. In summer Uh, because I'm checking them more regularly I'm opening the hive up and having a good look Uh, but the main thing I have to worry about in summer is the heat because unfortunately in the Yass River area where I live it is super super hot in summer and super super cold in winter (laughs) I envy people who live up in Queensland and places like that where it's more temperate all year round um but so yeah I check to make sure that my girls are tracking okay they're not too cold and you can you can if if you live in an area where it's snowing where you get snow through the winter I know a lot of the US people I know have insanely cold winters with you know feet and feet of snow or meters for those of us Soviet in Australia of snow and they have to cover their hives with almost looks like a Horse rug that they put over there, which is like a big insulating blanket to keep everything warm on the outside, so the bees don't have to work as hard. Um, but they don't open their hives through winter, same as us. So realistically, apart from covering the hive, there's not a lot of extra work you need to do. And if you've taken care of the hive prior to um, winter lockdown and made sure that there's enough honey in their stores over there over the winter, so that the bees aren't going to struggle. Um, then, then your bees really are very low fuss over winter, uh, so not much work goes into that. So the last thing on my list is the garden. <laughs> <And> <laughs> these are on my outside chores, obviously, not my inside chores. Um, I hate to say it, but I'm a terrible gardener. I love gardening. I love getting fresh fruit and veggies. Off my, I've got a couple of apple trees and cherry tree and things like that. I'm trying to build up more fruit trees and some nut trees as well. I'm trying to get my garden growing beautifully. I have a great two great blueberry bushes. I have a massive raspberry cane bush, whatever you call them. Uh, but gardening is always something that I I have to work at. <laughs> I'm much better looking after animals than I am looking after gardens, um, but I do try. So we have onions and garlic usually in, and potatoes. Um, Because they're all to me very relatively easy to grow And I can't stuff them up by neglect Because they don't really require a hell of a lot of work Potatoes require a little bit But once I get them covered over enough And they're growing up out of the the compost that I'm putting on top of them And straw and mulch and things They're really not that hard to grow And and that's coming from somebody who's not a gardener but the rest of my garden, I wish I could grow tomatoes beautifully. I, they, they just take off from me and then I forget about them. And a week later, I go up and I've got fifty 50 million red tomatoes and some of them are dropping and rotting on the ground and then the bugs come in and, yeah, it's a mess. So that's my goal for next summer because we're coming into autumn now here in Australia. My goal for next summer is to have an awesome garden. Uh, and I've got a couple of people that I know online I might have to follow and try and get some tips because I'll swap them. I'll tell them all about looking after chickens and cows and goats and bees and they can tell me how to manage my garden. Uh, but that's, that's so my day involves going out, chickens, goats in the morning, chickens, goats, potty calves in the afternoon, bees on the weekend, garden definitely on the weekend. wish I could do it more often. And then I head off to work. I come in usually, I'm done on my chores by six, quarter past six. Come in, have a shower because otherwise I'd be going to work stinking of goat and chicken. I feed the dogs before I jump in the shower because we've got a kelpie called Roxy and Luna the Merrimer. So they both get fed. And then I get my kids ready for school and off I go to work for the day. So then I get home from work in the afternoon, do the reverse, the chickens, the goats, potty calves and then i have to sit down and work out what else needs doing the next weekend when we need to move the chook fencing when we need to move the goat fencing because our buck lives in a special fencing goat fencing area all by himself Uh, and i also have a home business so i get home from work do all that after the kids have done their sport the handy helper thank Can and cook we do have a thermomix but if he couldn't cook we'd be screwed um so he cooks probably three to four nights of the week for me um but he's just about to start on shift work too so that might change a bit we might have to be a bit more prepared with our meal planning uh but both my kids also uh try and cook once a week um that's part of the deal they have to help with the house they live in it and they also um, do a load of washing each week, um, which takes a little bit of weight off me and some weight off the Handy Helper as well. But usually the kids are in bed by seven thirty eight 8 uh, o'clock because they have to be up so early. And I sit down and usually spend a good hour to two hours on the home business. So I've got a, a home business where I sell some products on Amazon. I've got beeswax wraps and some eco-friendly kitchen and bathroom boxes. And I've also got a print-on-demand store, which, surprise, surprise, is not the farmer's wife, uh, where I sell funny T-shirts and seat covers and things like that. And and obviously the business that I'm getting up and running now, which is my backyard chicken keeping course. Summer day's pretty full. Usually I'm in bed by mm, 10-ish. And then I'm usually up again by four-ish the next morning. (laughs) So it can be a little hectic. But that's a rundown of what my day looks like as a homesteader who also has an off-farm job. It makes it probably doesn't sell it to anybody I'm sure that you're listening right now and just going what the fuck Cass why would you do that much work why the hell would you be doing all that when you could just live in town in a nice house and not have to worry about all those things but honestly I go out on the weekends and I sit in the paddock with the goats and the chickens and it becomes very clear to me why I'm doing what I'm doing and I'm more than happy to do it anyway if you've got any questions about homesteading, hit me up at Mojo Homestead uh on Instagram, Mojo Homestead on Facebook, got them on Pinterest, LinkedIn, Twitter, all the rest of them. Uh, but just DM me, ask me if there's something you want me to talk about. Um, ask me if you've got a question that you kind of go, shit, I don't know whether that's going to work for me or that's going to be crap. Uh, and don't forget. That I have got my backyard chicken keeping course open at the moment. So if you're listening to this in real time, uh, it's open right now. Jump on and have a look. It's www.mojohomestead.net. And if you can't find the link from there, then I've really, really fucked up. Uh, but hopefully, you'll be able to see everything that you need to see there. Uh, there's some freebies on there, there's the webinar I'm doing. Uh, And if you get on really early, you'll get recorded on that. You get on that and get the recording for it. Uh, And otherwise, I will talk to you all next week. Oh, and in the coming weeks, hopefully, uh, I'm going to interview the Handy Helper and find out what it's like. Because sometimes some of our friends go, but but C J, the Handy Helper helps you with things on the farm. So you are you really not the farmer's wife? Uh, so we'll see his take on that, hey? (laughs) Anyway, everybody, have a great week, and uh, hopefully, I will see you on socials through the week, and otherwise, I'll talk to you next week. Thanks, everyone. Bye. Thanks so much for listening today. I hope you've enjoyed our time together. If you did, I'd be so grateful if you left me a review. I would also absolutely love it if you tagged me in your next post on your favourite socials at either Not The Farmer's Wife or Mojo Homestead. And don't forget to get your free guide to backyard chicken keeping at www.mojohomestead.net backslash 7mustknows. And remember, grow the life you want to live. See ya.